0: Hello there. This is Holly. I'm sorry about the coughing. I was uh, thought I was on mute, but uh, anyway, welcome to Gap to Gap Radio. And uh, today is a virtual academy show where basically it's on talking about instruction. Uh, so we have um, at Gap to Gap Radio, we basically have three types of formats. One is instructional based, where it's for the player, the parent, the coaches, uh, softball people, just for the purpose of instruction. Uh, The second part is our Thursday show with Ron Ray and uh, from Future Stars of Sports and I, where we talk softball, just pretty much anything. Of course, that's been about the pandemic lately, but that's uh, both of the, uh, so that show is on 12 o'clock Eastern time um, on Thursdays. The Virtual Academy that I'm doing today can be random. It's going to be recorded. It's not going to be really where I'm going to be taking live uh, callers, so it could be any time. I've done them on Sunday nights. I've done them like on Saturday afternoons. Uh, different uh, variety of times. So you'll probably have to go to my website, National Fast Pitch Academy, or uh, where you can go to Virtual Academy there, or you just come to this site and you can listen to previous shows uh, with that. So um, the third part is where I interview coaches, administrators, uh, uh, different people that are involved in the sport of fast pitch softball, uh, just for the sake of getting to know people better, promoting the sport of softball, that sort of thing. So the topic of today's show is uh, the idea is simple. The work is hard. And I'm going to say a lot of things that you already know. And so the idea is simple. The work is hard. The idea of hard work. its We all agree that it takes hard work. One of the common things that I deal with in given lessons and or when I was coaching or just seeing and, and watching kids uh, develop and that type of thing. And I told uh, uh, a young player one time that uh, uh, early success when you're younger is a curse. And I'm going to explain that a little bit in, in a story. And I don't remember the exact year, but uh, if you're from the Louisville area, you remember the Little League team that won the Little League World Series. Uh, gosh, that has to be, uh, I'd say, 2004, 5, 6 in that range, maybe, maybe a little bit earlier. Um, So um, the Little League World Series, it won the 12 and under Little League World Series. And if you're in the area or if you've been around that situation before, uh, you've seen, uh, you know about the Little League World Series as probably the most uh, well-known youth World Series situation. Of course, today in travel teams, there's 400 World Series around the country, uh, and they're they're not really World Series; they're just called that uh, to bring a bunch of teams in, and everything, which is cool. But this World Series, as we know, it it takes teams from all over the world, and it's a play. It's a tournament, basically. You win this tournament locally, you go to a regional tournament, you go to a state tournament, you go to a, a bigger tournament, to a national tournament, and then it's it gets down to a U.S. team playing a uh, team from another country uh, that wins the World Series, the Little League World Series. Well, that particular team, it was a team from Louisville that won the Little League World Series, the best 12 and under team in the world. And they were from Valley Sports uh, down the Valley Station area. And uh, it was pretty cool in some ways. I knew – the coach that uh, coached the team and uh, knew him a little bit, knew the family pretty good. His uh, youngest son was the shortstop uh, on that team and just kind of watching those players. I was um, uh, uh, pretty involved. I mean, I watched them play every time. I was very, very into it. The thing was really kind of, uh, you know, it kind of bothered me quite honestly, I guess, because of someone that's been uh, at the college level and different things, uh, the, uh, but it bothered me and didn't bother me. It was cool and it was scary. Is they they win the Little League World Series? If if you did remember, the uh, the star player of that team was a pitcher, and uh, he was I think at 12 years old, like five foot ten ish maybe nine five ten maybe even taller but he was like five foot ten ish and probably weighed 175 ish pounds he was a big strong kid and uh, that particular championship game the one i think uh, usa won one to nothing he hit the home run to win and he pitched to shut out the other team he dominated the opponents now the other players were good but this kid was uh was just heads and shoulders Above every other kid, his size, his strength, his talent, and everything. So, uh, the, and I do know that team practiced like crazy. They spent a lot of hours practicing. I knew the coach, I know the story a little bit. They worked really, really hard. They deserved to be successful, uh, no doubt. They were extremely talented, had some talented kids, and I know that they worked really hard, putting a lot of time and stuff. So they win the, win the Little League World Series, and they come home, and they had special parades for these kids. And I heard even other 12-year-old, 11- and 12-year-old ghouls were asking for their autographs. And I guess, you know, in some sense, they were famous. They were on national TV. they were uh, Everybody knew who they were, and they knew them by their names and knew what they looked like. They were little stars running around the city of Louisville for a little bit. The interesting thing is, again, I continue a couple of interesting things along with that. And I'm going to give you some numbers that um, uh, may or may not be completely true. The idea is, and I'm going to be pretty close to, to true um, on this. And I don't know if there's any research at this point, but this is just based on memory. But I will say that I, I got to know uh, some of those players. I was working at an academy that was a softball and baseball academy uh, soon after that, like within the next year. And I, I was around... Some of those kids that were on that team, and as they turned 12 and 13 and 14, and uh, as you know, the distance as a 12-year-old is, is shorter than it is going to be in high school, and and a lot of things, and so um, uh, there there still needed to be development for these kids uh, after that point. They 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 reached the peak of fame, but did not reach the peak of their potential. Uh, they were still just 11 and 12 years old, but some of them had attitudes and I was watching them and listening to them and, and, uh, as they were doing camps and stuff, and they weren't, there's almost like some of them, not all of them had this attitude. Like, you know, I just won the little league world series. How can you tell me how to play to people that pitched or are played at the major league level and, uh, or professional level or successful college coaches at, at this academy, um, that uh, for years. And these are 12 year old, 13 year old kids basically have an attitude that they can't learn anything. So what I'm talking about is the success that they had was, was such a curse for them because uh, I'm pretty sure I'm like 99.9% sure only one of those players ended up playing at the college level. That was a little shortstop. He never got, uh, I don't know how well he did in high school. I believe he went to university of Tennessee. That's the last I've Followed, I did not follow sadly to say his whole career at Tennessee if he stayed there, whatever he did. But it was a, a really good high school, college program. He succeeded at, at that point and continued to get better. Uh, he was again the, the son of the coach, and I know that uh, family they're very, very into uh, baseball and, and um, worked the kid pretty hard and probably had higher aspirations than just winning a title at 12 years old. I believe one other kid played some in high school, uh, maybe played completely through high school. I don't know. And I think a third kid played some in high school and then quit if if they didn't even get there. The star, I don't, I think he's the one, maybe he started a little bit in high school, didn't uh, get all the way through high school, but didn't go any farther. His peak of his career was 12 years old, which is sad because here he goes to be such a great player And uh, then now, then he's no longer, no longer playing. And I, and I don't know him very well. I did uh, see him. I did meet him uh, at at one of these camps. And again, a big kid, um, I don't know how hard he continued to work and if this curse affected him, but they stopped working and they stopped improving and they stopped having this uh, 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 mentality that they could get better. Uh, because they were already there i'm i'm you know reading their mind uh i don't, you know could be uh, a variety of reasons that they stopped working but uh, they didn't continue to do that then you have a lot of younger athletes at the same age that were probably in that league that grew up and become college players maybe even professional players that succeeded and what was the difference is they continue uh, they continued to work hard and try to and continue to improve on the topic. Of little league world series, since it's been around so long, statistically, I think I read something one time is that there's only been one pitcher in the little league world series that won the little league world series that made it to the major league baseball level, maybe two that made it as a pitcher. I think there's been a couple that pitched that, uh, became be, uh, major league baseball players maybe other positions but the numbers of uh, players that have played in that league here they are again championship players that are best in their their age best in the world uh surprisingly isn't a lot of players that have made it uh to the big leagues uh to the major league level and stuff so again this uh, young success is curse. i deal with it in lessons often not all the time but often it's where they uh, they bring in a ten year old eleven year old whatever, and this player is pretty good, and it's it's their level of success is already in their head that hey, I'm pretty good, I don't need to get any better. And it's those players that seem to struggle with this idea of getting better and uh, and to work. so so this the topic of this show is is basically working hard and and uh, that that whole story. Is mostly like uh, uh, where hard work has to continue and why possibly some people don't work hard. And again, the idea is simple that it does take hard work. Uh, sports like softball is what we call repetitive sport and it's called a skill sport in a sense like uh, so hitting is similar to golf in a sense where uh, there's a technique involved. That we can pretty much say there's some essential things that we all have to do to be uh, good hitters. There's some individualism stuff that can happen. Uh, there's types of hitters. There's power hitters. There's slap hitters. There's line drive hitters. There's uh, different kinds of hitters. But there's uh, for uh, for five. If there were 500 hitters in the city of Louisville, there's not 500 types of hitters. There's uh, four types of hitters, and that hitter that wants to be, let's say, a line drive hitter has to work on being the best line drive hitter and how much work and how what kind of work. And that's the thing is. uh, And so we get a lot. I get a lot of players. Almost all my girls that that I work with are on a travel team and these travel teams. And one of the you hear a lot of complaints from coaches, uh, college coaches and maybe even some other coaches, is that a lot of travel teams, they don't uh, practice. They just play all the time. And they get out, and maybe they're pretty good because they got some talent. And, again, maybe they're 14 and under, and they just play, and they practice here and there and stuff, and they're able to do okay. Um, And, of course, some of the individuals on that team may be practicing on their own and and doing that kind of stuff. But uh, that's one of the things that I don't like about travel team is they spend two-thirds or three-fourths of their time playing and not very much practicing and and everything. So, And I get it. You spend a lot of money. You want to play uh, a lot of games, but this is uh, really important. So uh, as an individual, you've got your travel team, and you get your batting practice right before a game. Let's just talk hitting maybe at this point. We'll just talk hitting, not pitching or fielding or whatever, but it's all related. You get your batting practice before a game. You get your ten at bats during that uh, course of that time and uh, you have a pretty good, you have, you have three or four hits and maybe you hit a home run. You have a pretty good weekend, stuff like that. Then you go Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday, maybe have one workout that you're working for team and things like that. You're getting, let's say at those 10 at batch, you're getting 15 swings before you got maybe a bucket of 24 swings. So you got 30 swings that week uh, or that weekend. The practice before that may be because you've got a whole team. Let's say at best you're getting 100, so you're getting 130, 140 swings. One of the things is that uh, as a college coach, um, I was at a, a program that did not have a lot of scholarship money, so I couldn't get a lot of great pitchers. Money t- it takes money to get great pitchers. So without a lot of scholarship money, uh, my direction was mostly offensive and trying to teach as much as I could and I uh, uh, tried to have a really well rounded team and try to win a little bit more five to four games instead of one to nothing games or two to one games and stuff. And so uh, we dedicated ourselves to being the best hitting team we could be. And we worked really, really hard on hitting and, I. Uh, developed things later in my career where it was a station of 24 stations. I believe it was 24 stations and each station. um, So these were college players and they would come in and they, because of classes, they would walk in at at some different times within five minutes of each other, a lot of times, two, three, four, five minutes. And the first thing they would do is get ready and then they would get into their hitting stations. And there was the same 24 hitting stations every day. And I'm a big believer in and diversity in your hitting uh, work. Single T is a great drill, but you want to do some other types of drills. Flip drills are, can be dangerous, um, and, but you can, you can incorporate those. Um, weighted bat drills, overload, underload drills, uh, hitting into um, – uh, hitting wiffle balls. We did a lot of different things. And, of course, because they're college, they can throw to each other and they can do each other. And we trained them to make sure everybody was safe and things like that. So you can't do that necessarily with uh, a 12 or 13 or 14, 15-year-old team. But the point is they had to do uh, 240 swings before uh, practice even started, 10 swings at each station. So practice starts, they got 240. We're going six uh, days a week. And uh, so they're getting, uh, what, 1,200 Uh, 1,500 swings before practice even started. And then we would do some hitting, a lot of hitting sometimes during practice, almost hit almost every single practice. We had some hitting stations, some batting practice, that type of thing. So each player was getting, uh, you know, maybe upwards to 2,000, 1,500 to 2,000 swings uh, every single week. And uh, made a big difference. And it's a big issue in consistency and big issues. in, in my opinion, in confidence, you start de- developing this attitude that I deserve to win because I'm working really, really hard. So we believe we worked harder than other teams, at least in hitting. And we, do, we did work pretty hard in a lot of other things, but at least we feel like in our hitting approach, we worked really, really hard. But on top of that, almost all, I had some All-American players that uh, that I coached. And one of the things that you started noticing, I started noticing as well. And I didn't interview them, but I would see things. And they probably didn't know that I noticed things. But uh, some players would come in after practice or before practice or on a weekend or a night when we weren't doing anything. And I would see that they were doing getting their extra swings in. And that's what the thing is, the extra stuff That's when it really gets down to it. So if you're 15 years old, you don't have the opportunity, a program that's going to make sure you get your 1500 swings in. uh, But you have to get your extra stuff in. So whatever you're getting with your team, then whatever you're getting with your lessons, that's fantastic. But in lessons, there are times that uh, we can really get through in an hour, maybe get a couple of hundred swings. But sometimes we're really trying to break something down and teach the load, or, or something's going on with the stride and that needs some work. And so we don't get in as many swings, maybe only a hundred swings. Uh, and so you're only getting 100 to 150 swings that week for a 15-year-old. That's pl- that's not even close to enough. And so you have to get your swings on your extra time, on your time, your extra stuff. Those players that do their extra stuff, those are the ones that typically succeed. And I'm going to say this too. Obviously, hard work does not guarantee success. So I can say, you know, you need to get in there. You need to do your work. You need to get to hard work. And it doesn't always guarantee success. Honestly, it, it helps a lot. Uh, but I will say that if you're going to fail, it's probably because you didn't work hard enough. And if you got any kind of talent and uh, uh, and you're not working hard enough, you're not putting the time in, getting the extra stuff, then that's probably why you're going to be failing uh, a lot of that time, a lot of the times. So those uh, hitters, parents, you know, there's sometimes you just can't force them to do it. And uh, but if you can find some way to get them motivated to understand that they need to put their extra time in. And it's by yourself. It's with a tee and a ball into a net and you're working on your swing and you're saying, okay, coach Holly said, I got to work on staying through the ball and they understand what that is. And they're working specifically on that. And you want it to be hard work, but smart work as well. But if I got a choice of no work versus, um, Just hitting, I'm going to take just hitting. Even if it's not smart work, it's better than doing nothing as long as it's pretty fairly consistent and you're you're getting some work done. So uh, your extra time, spend your extra time, get out there and and everything. Start teaching your girls, start teaching your athlete uh, at a young age uh, how to do this. Help her at first. Instead of just saying you got to get your work done and things like that, Uh, maybe even uh, share this uh, audio with her. Uh, You're going to, you're going to see a lot of things of all athletes from the Michael Jordans to the, uh, um, you know, Lisa Fernandez to um, all of the greatest players in all the sports. Uh, There's probably something out there talks about how hard they worked. And somebody talked about how much effort they put in and, Mm Help them with that, but uh, but make sure, you know, really equipment today, the, a tee, uh, a dozen balls, the, those nets that are uh, uh, little sock nets, what I call them. I think um, uh, you can set them up pretty quickly. They're not super expensive. they in a very, very small area. They can hit there. There's other drills like wiffle ball drills and things like that. Help them figure out how to do that by themselves uh, and can do that. Now, in... In a span of time of, let's say, 20 minutes, I know this time of year it's 95 degrees outside, 100% or 100 degrees uh, uh, heat index. You can get out in the morning. You can get in the evening. It's going to cool off. That's going to be at your – the heat is going to be at the prime time between, what, 2 o'clock and 6 o'clock or something. You can do after that. Uh, But even 20 minutes of hard work, you're playing outside anyway, so you might as well get outside, get used to it. Um, uh, just um, help them understand how to do it help them set things up make it easier at the first part and then they can start learning how to get in that habit just kind of get in that habit of doing something pretty much five six days a week at least Uh, and if it's 20 swings then that's 20 swings if it's 200 swings that's even better each time that they get out there motivation, and I know sometimes I deal with this and trying to get back in shape and, and with my age and my uh, what I'm, I'm pretty busy and everything, and a lot of times it's like I think about my workouts and I'm thinking about a uh, treadmill or my bike or walking or something like that, is uh, instead of me thinking about the workout, I just think about the first step. You just get that first step. You just say, I'm just going to start. And when you start doing it, like when I get on treadmill, first start doing it, it's it, once I get going, then the the rest of the time is a little bit easier. So uh, help them understand just to kind of get started. It's kind of an old Nike thing, of course. Just do it. Uh, just get started. Get 20, 30 swings. And if you're if it's too hot, you're too tired or whatever, then get back. Then maybe the next time you can get uh, 50, 60 swings. It doesn't take very long, and uh, you can get a lot of work done. So that's my soapbox on that. Um, And I will say that, in my opinion, most athletes fail in lessons, and I can tell when they do not do their work, I give them homework, I give them some things, here's what you need to work on, and they come back. When they come back nine times out of 10, if it's not 19 times out of 20, I can tell if they've done some work that we've been talking about and uh it's sad where how much they spend money on lessons, how much money they spend on travel team, and they come back and they like uh when you ask them how much work and when especially if they're honest like zero. I mean there's some that will go a whole week without playing and they will have zero hitting. Uh it, honestly, no excuse. And if if that's the case, then I honestly I would say as a parent you got to start saying Uh, how much do you want this? And what, what is your, what do you want to do if you want me to help you with that? Uh, Because if you're not putting any time at all, you either don't understand what it takes. You don't believe you need to do it possibly, or you don't want the success. It's not that important to you. If it's that important to you, you can still play because it's fun and it's great and things like that. But uh, spending a whole lot of money on lessons and, High-level travel team may not be uh, the best thing for them. So, um, so anyway, if you have any questions or thoughts, uh, that's um, uh, you can contact me. You can go to my website nationalfastpitchacademy.com. Uh, you can contact me, Holly Knight at nationalfastpitchacademy.com. I hope that uh, was some kind of help. And again, if you need uh, some talk with your uh, uh, with your athlete about uh, what she's wanting in her life as far as softball, then feel free to let me know. I can help you with that probably. So have a great day, and I will talk to you soon. Thank you. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere.